Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. It's getting ever tighter at the bottom and ever stranger at the top. Bayern and Dortmund switch both places and characteristics, while Hertha get hammered by Bremen and Schalke go down 4-0 at Freiburg. No. Uh, ja, doch. At Freiburg. All of this and much more in this week's edition of Beer and Honey. Hello, dear listeners, and a special hello to our members. This is the Monday edition of Beer and Honey, the German football pod with me, Raphael Honigstein. And me, Christoph Biermann. And before we go, here's our special message to our members and would-be members, courtesy of Christoph Biermann. Christoph, take it away. Yeah, especially for would-be members, because um, if we... Uh, you're listening to Beer and Honey right now. And if you want to support us and if you want us to go on for for longer time, we need your help. We need your support. We need you to become a supporter so that we can sustain our little pot, our labor of love for you uh, also in the next season. And um, so please go to steadyhq.com slash en slash beer and honey and sign up as a supporter or as an ultra all right okay Christoph today we'll do things slightly the other way around I think the correct terminology for that is A to M from <laughs> Abstiegskampf to Meisterschaftsrennen we'll start at the bottom with the worst team in the league which is Hertha They lost 4-2 at home to Werder Bremen. The, I don't want to say the first match for um, Paldade because, of course, it's his third time uh, as a coach, but the first, the first game in his third spell, and it didn't really go all that well with that 4-2 defeat at Bremen. Is there any hope for Hertha at this point? Um, if we listen to uh, Paldade and to his players and to everybody else in Berlin, oh boy, there is only a, a tiny spark of hope somewhere at the end of a very long tunnel. Because um, if you just hear the result, 4-2, it sounds like probably a dramatic encounter between two teams and in the end Hertha lost. But they were 4-0 down after about an hour or so and scored later on two um, consolation goals. It wasn't even a home game, although the um, Olympia Stadium was full to capacity because there were like 25,000 uh, Werder Bremen supporters there. They made, made it for them a remarkable day, I think also for Hertha. And uh, on Sunday, um, the press was allowed to... Uh, watch the training sessions, the uh, after-match training sessions, and uh, a new sound, uh, or the typical Paul Dardai sound, uh, could be heard because he was um, sending the uh, Croatian Ivan Sunic uh, back to the dressing room um, uh, after 10 minutes of training or so, telling him to piss off 
and uh, saying tschüss, 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 ciao. And later on, um, he was saying, um, I know the guys, uh, they are really very nice and they have the will, but there is no team spirit. And I think without team spirit, there, there is no hope. Yeah, but uh, how good is that for the team spirit? It <laughs> was it was it playing to the gallery a little bit? Was it looking, trying to look tough, and make an example of a player who's not really that important for the team at the moment? I don't know. I yeah, don't know. it's it's it's. I I think it's it's probably. Um, also a sign of desperation and uh, maybe more playing for, for in the cards of the image of Paul Dardai. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, there wasn't even big protests after, after the final whistle. Uh, I, everybody went home depressed apart, apart from the 25,000 uh, Werder Bremen supporters. So um, yeah, I, I think it was, it's, um, uh, yeah, technically there is hope. Technically, there is a chance for Hertha to stay in the Bundesliga. They have two home games against Stuttgart and Bochum. But uh, the next uh, away game will lead them to Munich. And um, we, later on, we will talk about Bayern. And I think, in a way, they are happy that the next opponent is Hertha BSC. Could be worse, uh, perhaps, but it could be better, and that's true of Bochum as well. Uh, Christoph, they lost at home five-one, heavy defeat at the hands of VfL Wolfsburg. Did you go to the game? Uh, I, I didn't go, but I, I saw it, and um, uh, it was one of the most bizarre games um, when you when you compare what's going on on the pitch and and the result. Um, no, so um, when you look at the XGs, for example, both teams were more or less level. Uh, that shouldn't lead to the conclusion that uh, a draw would be the uh, the fairer result, because um, Bochum made terrible mistakes. But but also, as Thomas Letch said, um, they were doing a lot of things uh, pretty well. And and so, what happened? There, um, I mean, the um, supporters in Bochum tend to be very critical, and if they are frustrated, they are very uh, uh, very quick in in uh, uh, voicing frustration and and so on. But what they did, they were celebrating the team after the final whistle. That was uh, pretty spectacular. Also, probably um, uh, because Bochum has a, uh, another home game next weekend, and they playing the local derby against the closest rival. Because from Bochum to Dortmund, it's only uh, twelve kilometers down the A40, and um, and and so maybe it's it's also to kind of support them. But but honestly, um, the result looked terrible. But the performance was uh, was not that terrible, although what I said, they made grotesque defensive errors, and um, yeah, so so yeah, they stuck 
deep down there, but but still are still above the line. Patrick Wimmer with a very good game for Father Wolfsburg, heavily involved in uh, in a couple of goals, and very efficient uh, from this Wolfsburg team, who are in eighth now, with a chance of making the Europa Conference League spot. Probably the uh, other places above them a little bit too far. But uh, that defeat leaves Augsburg still in 15th, still two points clear of Stuttgart, who, after that sensational 3 all draw, played out a less sensational <laughs> one one <-all> draw <laughs> with, uh, with Augsburg. Um, the kind of game with the kind of result that you expect at this stage of the season between teams like that, uh, being a little bit cautious, um, you know, probably quite happy with uh, with the point. Uh, lots of fighting, not so much football fighting in in the sense of uh, fighting for the ball. And uh, the draw probably enough for both. Certainly for Augsburg, who slowly but surely, I think, are moving away from the relegation places. They're now in 13th. And Stuttgart at least managed to hold on to that relegation playoff spot in 16th. And funnily, um, funnily, it's um, I think what some of our listeners uh, don't know, it's a, a Swabian derby in a way, because Augsburg belongs to the Swabian part of Bavaria. And um, uh, so there is, I wouldn't say a too intense rivalry, but, but there is a, a local rivalry element to it. Uh, I think you can say that, and also that created some some good atmosphere. But but as you said, not uh, not actually terrific football. Okay, well, not terrific football is exactly <laughs> what Hoffenheim played. Uh, they were really good in Munich last week, and they were really bad at home. They lost three one to Köln. And afterwards, um, they were all saying, yeah, Köln were okay, but actually we, we were terrible and we were, first of all, to blame for, for losing so heavily. David Selke uh, with a goal. That's a bit of a collector's item for <laughs> Köln, um, but a good win. For yeah, and, and another controversial handball penalty. We we, we don't go uh, into this in detail because it's it's the same old story, all over again. And another ridiculous handball penalty that gave um, Cologne the one 0 lead. Yeah, but you wanted to talk about one very special player from Cologne, and it's not Davy Selke. No, it's not Davy Selke. I, I think it, it it will take some years uh, until Davy Selke has a status of Jonas Hector in Cologne. And so I think it's a it was a tough day for most Cologne supporters and for the club because Jonas Hector announced that he will retire um, from football at the end of the season, although he is still the man at uh, FC Cologne, the most important players, player and, and a very special player. Uh, I mean, he, in, uh, he, he was playing, uh, still playing amateur football in, in the Saar area when he was uh, 20. He, he came to Cologne 
in 2010, started in the second team, played there for two years. And 2014, he was uh, promoted with Cologne or helped Cologne uh, to be uh, to return to the Bundesliga. Uh, and at that time was already the most important player of the team. And then he became a, a national player. And, and we know this is a very rare story that player without a, an academy background managed to find the way from amateur football uh, to to the Bundesliga and then to the national team, and so and and what what made him spe very special also among for for Cologne supporters when they were relegated in 2018, he stayed and as a national player as a player from the german national team and uh, he had loads of offers but he said uh, i i feel good here uh, i like the place um i like to play here and so he stayed and led them back to the bundesliga and uh, yeah and in so many respects he is he is a a, a special guy um uh, for example not living in social media and be, be being also very often making intelligent remarks about things going on at the club in football in general and so and so yeah uh, it, it's in a way it's sad um uh, that he he will leave the bundesliga at the end of the season and i i think for cologne it's it's a, a a huge blow. Yeah, and uh, and for the Bundesliga because he's one of those iconic players that uh, come to symbolize their club and what makes Cologne a little bit special. Uh, maybe he can go and work in the zoo with um, Hennis. Hennis the eighth. <laughs> Hennis the ninth. Oh, I I I stopped counting. So, yeah. uh, but but is he is Hennis living in the in a zoo? No, I think he's living. Was was uh, somebody who is the? Uh, What do you think? Hennis is in a relationship with with someone and is living no, with no, them. No, not or? in a relationship, but not in a zoo. I, I think he is on a farm or or something like okay. this. Okay, but but okay. we find this out is a mystery that will be cleared up <laughs> yes. in the next beer and honey edition. Okay. Not so much of a mystery though. What's happening with our friends from Schalke 04? They traveled to SC Freiburg and as nominative determinism would have it, they went down 0-4 against Freiburg. Um, perhaps it's not a surprise because Freiburg, as we know, are strong and Schalke are anything but strong. But the fact that this result was so big and the game was so one-sided with Freiburg leading from the seventh minute, Grigoric uh, with a double soon later. Um, that was perhaps a bit disappointment, more so than losing at Freiburg, which was kind of expected. Uh, where does that leave uh, Thomas Reis and his possibilities and opportunities of saving Schalke, Christoph? Yeah, Thomas Reis was very frustrated after the match. Not, not because they lost, but, but he said we could, could have lost much higher. Uh, he said even in, in the last minute of the game, uh, Freiburg uh, could have scored three or four more. And when you look at, at the program um, that uh, Schalke is having, the f five games they have, it's, it's ooh, that's tough. 
Uh, they're playing Werder Bremen at home next week. Then they have to, to, to travel to Mainz, um, the second best team in the Bundesliga in the second part of the season. They have to go to, to Bayern. They play Frankfurt at home. And on the last day, uh, they have to uh, play away at Leipzig. So, boah. Um, uh, I, so, so I think it's, it's, I, I don't actually, I don't see a chance for them to, to, uh, to get, uh, the points they need from this program. So you think they will go down? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think that would be quite sad. Actually. I want, I want Schalke to stay in. You want me to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. In an ideal world, Bochum would of course not just stay in, but fight for the European places. Yeah. Uh, with your other team, Union, <laughs> but it might take it might take a few years yeah. for that to happen. Uh, talking of Union, mm, see that's a, a really nice uh, segue into our mid-table mid-section of this pod. Uh, they won one nil at producer York's favorite team, Borussia München. Gladbach. What happened there? It was a very good performance by um, Union Berlin, especially in the uh, most parts of the uh, second half time. And they scored a terrific goal by um, Geraldo Becker um, after a great delivery. It, it wasn't actually a cross. It was a chip or something from, from Jerome Roussillon. And... Um, And, and Union looked fresh. They looked stable. Now they have the best defense in the Bundesliga. Uh, as long as you, you uh, look at, at the um, number of goals they had to concede. And um, yeah, it's, um, it, 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 it was good. And it was a convincing win. And, um, uh, and uh, Mönchengladbach hadn't lost at home for, for quite a while. I think the last time in October at home to, to Leverkusen. So um, uh, that was good. And um, yeah, I, I, I must admit that I, I was impressed uh, because um, you remember probably that last week I, I said they looked like a bit running out of steam or so. But um mm -mm. But, but they also have a tough program. I mean, they are on third now. And um, uh, Freiburg, uh, the team that uh, was beating uh, Schalke, is at uh, fourth. And But Union has to play at home against Leverkusen. They have to travel to Augsburg and Hoffenheim. They have uh, Freiburg at home and on the last day, Werder Bremen. So mm, it's not it, that it, tough. Not that tough, but also not a stroll. So it's um but but you're right. If if you want to want to qualify for the Champions League. Um and Christoph, we're talking about Union qualifying for the Champions League. Yeah. And they have five games to go to make this happen. Let's let's keep this in perspective. And they are four points clear. They can even they can even drop a game. I mean, so yeah. It's pretty right. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Gladbach, uh, do you get the sense that Daniel Farke might not make it until the start of next season? Is there a change uh, happening or will they stick no, with him? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think the perception is really that they have to rebuild the squad. 
we already know that Lars Stindl is, is going back to Karlsruhe or so. Uh, Rani Benzibaini is leaving and uh, Markus Turam is leaving. And so um, last week um, they were talking about their in the AGM about the, the problems they have with their finances. So if they want to buy players, they have to sell. And um, so let's see. Um, I mean, we, we, we have talked about it already. Um, they they are in a very difficult position, but I think everybody has the feeling that uh, Daniel Farke is not uh, the man to blame uh, for the situation right now. All right. Okay. Um, we're nearly at the top of the table, but there's one more game that we haven't discussed yet before we turn our attention to the top two, and that is, of course, the race for, well, I guess, realistically, fourth spot. Uh, Leverkusen, the informed team at the moment in the Bundesliga, apart from Mainz, of course, uh, continued well enough off with that uh, great win against uh, Union Saint-Geloise in the Europa League, which earned them a nice game against Jose Mourinho's Roma in the semi-final, a game that uh, I'd be pleased to tell you, Christoph, I'll be going to, oh. both in Rome and in Leverkusen. Oh, uh, well, I'm hoping to to see you for the second leg, possibly. I, I um, mean, I I could I I could try a rhyme on you now. Okay. Now, and if you, if you manage to translate that into to English, um, I uh, I give you a big hand. So the rhyme is: Kannst du jemand nicht verknusen? Schicke ihn nach Leverkusen, denn am Ende dieser Welt ist er endlich kalt gestellt. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, uh, hmm. If there's someone you, somebody you don't like, send him to Leverkusen, because at the end of the world, he be kalt uh, gestellt. <laughs> He'll be sidelined. In a way, it's it's sideline, but it's it's not with the. Um, He'd be frozen out, frozen out. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't rhyme very well, unfortunately, in German. Okay, I'll I'll spend the rest of the pod thinking if I can somehow make it rhyme. Um, neither rhyme nor reason, though, was maybe the explanation for this game because Leipzig really dominated. Lots yeah. of shots, lots of possession. But Leverkusen, in the most un-Leverkusen-like style, at least historically, just being very very efficient, smart, soaking up the pressure, and then super, super effective in front of goal. Adam Lozek um, scoring from the counter-attack. And then the second goal uh, late on with a penalty from Amiri. So Leverkusen... Not only can they win beautiful football games, but they can also win very ugly. Yeah. That is really a massive step forward for this team. Florian Wirtz was missing today, and um, you could see that. You could see that they were a bit tired from the with the game in Brussels and were not playing their most precise football. I, I would say, but but you're right. They were very effective and they defended well. We're also a bit lucky and uh, uh, defeated RB Leipzig, who are, hmm, 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 hmm. 
I mean, they they um, they dropped out of the Champions League place. They lost Shoboslai because uh, you mentioned the second goal of Nadim Emiri. That was a penalty kick, and that um, and before that, uh, Shoboslai was uh, was sent off with the uh, yellow red card and will miss the next game. So yeah, uh, things are heating up behind the. Champions League places. And things are heating up at the <laughs> top of the table as well, Christoph. Last week, we kind of wrote off Dortmund. We called them stupid, or they themselves called them stupid. We were saying, okay, this is typical Dortmund throwing it away. But this time, Bayern did them a massive favor, and we'll talk about that in a second. But they still had to take advantage. They were the second game on Saturday in terms of the kickoff times and they blow away, they blew away Eintracht Frankfurt 4-0. And Eintracht Frankfurt team, I have to say, actually didn't play that badly. They had some really nice moves. They had one or two good chances. I like the way they combined. There was some really good stuff happening, but they couldn't quite get behind the Dortmund defense and Dortmund it felt like every shot, every opportunity they created resulted in a goal. So once again, uh, a most un-Dortmund-like performance in terms of that. Uh, yeah, very efficient, very, very smart way of, of winning with almost, it felt like minimum effort. Uh, very convincing victory. Goals from uh, Jude Bellingham, from Daniel Marlin, from Mats Hummels with a really nice header. Um, and Marlin with a second when the game was already won in the second half. So a strong performance, real good vibes in the Westfalenstadion, or should we call it Signal Iduna Park? That's kind of uh, up for debate a little bit. Big discussion at the moment, whether the sponsor's name should be mentioned. Uh, the fans or some of the fans think that it's unnecessary. Uh, of course, the sponsor sees things very differently. But anyway, uh, irrespective of the stadium's name, it's certainly had the very real Dortmund experience. Fans were really on it. Um, the belief, the euphoria, the confidence, all was palpable, even on television. Dortmund feel, hey, we can actually do this. But I found it interesting how Edin Terzic reacted because he was like, Ooh, relax. Uh, we have still five games to go. We know the guys. And he sa said uh, something very nice about his players. Um, I, I like this quote um, um, because he was asked, why, why is it so much up and down and the roller coaster season in a way? And, and he said, yeah, the youngs, uh, the boys, uh, the guys are not stupid. But but sometimes they uh, tend to to forget things and um, and uh, and I think I think he did um, he did two things very cleverly uh, this week. Uh, one is more, not so much with him, but but the club in general, because uh, sports director. Sebastian Kehl said, nah, after the Stuttgart game, we want to win the championship and we want to win the title and to, to so that everybody is focusing 
uh, on this and not so much debating how stupid they are and what happened in Stuttgart, but also uh, tactically, um, you said, uh, rightly said that uh, Frankfurt, I had the same impression that they played pretty well uh, in, in parts, not to, to so, especially in the, in the first half, um, that he, uh, Dortmund defended deeper, were more compact, more solid, um, and uh, created a, a kind of team effort. And, and uh, I think that's what um, uh, Terzic was addressing, that sometimes they... Uh, tend to forget to play as a team and then they play for themselves, uh, also with good intentions. Um, Jude Bellingham is a perfect example um, when he wants to do everything, uh, but but then he confuses situation and confuses the game plan and so, but everybody was sticking to the plan and I think now they are able to focus uh, for the rest of the season, I um, I have the the feeling that they they are able to win all the five games, um, and probably they don't even need to to win them all. Well, this is not something you would have said of Dortmund and of Bayern no. up until very recently. The idea that Dortmund wouldn't even have to win all their games to overtake Bayern and keep control seemed outrageous. But you're right. It might be enough. They're one point clear because Bayern, as we said earlier, as we alluded to, they went to Mainz and they completely collapsed in the second half. And they took the lead. Sadio Mane, another collector's item, his first goal since <laughs> uh, October, I think, um, in the Bundesliga. Um, and Bayern had chances and Bayern played well. But then in the second half, Ludovic Ajorg scored from a error, really, from Jan Sommer. And then Bayern, instead of rallying, instead of coming back strongly, as we'd expect them to, they kind of just fell to pieces, allowing Mainz to score two more goals, Barrero and Aaron. And the game was over with 10 minutes to go. And Bayern never looked like coming back at all. Uh, Thomas Tuchel was completely at a loss to explain what happened. He said there was no energy. He said there was uh, tiredness, um, physical, mental tiredness. Couldn't explain why uh, the team found it so hard to find any kind of resilience when they conceded that goal. I'm beginning to think, Christoph, that this season and this Dortmund-Bayern Tussle follows a little bit the script of um, that famous film from the 90s, uh, Face Off. Do you remember Face Off? No. So in Face Off, you have an FBI uh, guy who, for reasons that I won't go into, uh, takes on the face of a killer. But the killer ah, yeah, wakes up mm -hmm. and the killer actually gets out of prison and gets the face of the FBI guy. So how does that relate to Bayern and Dortmund? Well... Um, without saying who's the killer in FTI and who's the good guy, <laughs> the sense that Bayern should be weak, should be lacking the nerve to fight the title race, should be low on leadership, should be vulnerable. I mean, all these things are so un like And Dortmund, especially in this game, 
they played like Bayern played. They just did what was necessary and they did it without seeming to be particularly out of breath and just kind of taking care of business. Christoph, has something strange happened here? Have we seen these two sides not just swap position, but actually swap characteristics? It's a very nice analogy with with this uh, with this switch and face off. I, I will keep that in mind. It's great. Um, uh, what fascinated me most was how much Tuchel and others were talking. Uh, Tuchel was was saying the team looks as it had already played 70 games and that they are worn out and and he's he gave them three days off normally he would say ah oh, we play terrible we have to work on the pitch and and he was saying no uh, there is no energy the whole energy is gone and and especially i mean they uh, uh, they played decent football in the first half they controlled the game they scored one they could probably uh, could have scored one more and then and then they got the equalizer out of the blue and and then for, fell apart and that's a sign of yeah what is it i i, I think it's um, they are low in energy they don't look like a team actually they look like single lot of single pieces that are loosely arranged together but but they are not that are not not, not connected and um uh i mean i i i still remember this uh, uh this talk that i had uh, like three weeks ago with this bayern guy and he was saying talking so much about building a team and so and now you could see uh, he, he from the inside he he obviously could see what things are going wrong and then you have these bad results and and this is all growing and as a problem and and so on and um, and that's spectacular uh, it's 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 really spectacular and and also the uh, remember this Manchester City the first leg towards the end they were also also falling apart already and uh, it, it was uh, in the end they didn't concede the fourth or fifth goal or, or so but um, already then uh, it, it could be seen but I mean Manchester City is another quality uh, as minds as good as they are uh, right now but um, it looks um, as if it's I wouldn't say impossible, but very difficult to turn this round in the short amount of time. And it looks as if the impossible might happen with Bayern not winning the league and Dortmund actually being there and taking advantage. But it's not over yet. Uh, Bayern's program, if you want to call it, until the end of the season, on paper, looks quite easy. They have Hertha, as you mentioned before. Then they go to Bremen. Then they have Schalke. Then they have Leipzig at home and then Köln away. Mm. Not super easy, but with the exception of Leipzig, who don't tend to get results in Munich very often, you'd expect them to win at least four of those five games. Whether it's enough, we don't know. But it's not over yet. Maybe we, we uh, also should remind our listeners uh, uh, who um, Dortmund is facing. It's also not a stroll. 
Um, they are traveling, as I said, the 10 kilometers to Bochum on next Friday. Then they have uh, Wolfsburg at home. Wolfsburg is, is tricky. Tricky, yeah. Then they have Borussia Mönchengladbach. They are not as tricky. <laughs> then they have to go away to Augsburg. And mm -hmm, also not... Not at, easy. At, not easy. And on the last day of the season, they're playing Mainz. And, and Mainz are right in the mix for Mainz, European football. Yeah. And maybe Mainz would be happy to help their former coach, Thomas Tuchel, who was really actually also instrumental in keeping them onto another level after, after Jürgen Klopp uh, with the title in Munich. So um, I think it's, it's, it's not over for, for Bayern right now, but they, I think they have to find answers to, to, to these questions that, that are piling up uh, uh, right now. Are they energetic? Are they, I mean, also, um, I don't know what you make of it. Uh, Thomas Tuchel took uh, uh, Joshua Kimmich off. Um, yeah, it's, you can take him off, but, but uh, to me, Kimmich is a bit of the symbol of, of, of the crisis, not because he's the worst player or so, but, but probably be, because he is a, player who puts so much burden onto himself that sometimes you, you, you think that he's walking around with um, hundreds of kilos on his, uh, on his shoulders. Well, to answer your question, nothing that Tuchel did really worked yeah. uh, that well on Saturday, uh, with the exception of Sadio Mane scoring and Musiala had an okayish game in his preferred position as a number 10, but can go through the entire team. Goretzka had an absolute nightmare and was very lucky to see at the end of the game. Stanisic was poor. Opamecano was once again not really convincing. Davis got injured after only 10 minutes. Uh, Cancelo, hot and cold. Müller, a complete disaster. I mean, he was catastrophically bad. Well, he admitted it, um, that he constantly took wrong decision. Yeah. I think he won 12% of his duels. I mean, that's also, I mean, he is an offensive player, but that's, the, these numbers are shocking. No, no, it was shocking. It was shocking. And most shocking of all to me that Tuchel changed the system. He changed back to that 3-4-3 uh, system that Bayern weren't ever really happy with. I mean, it, it, I guess, made it easier for them to have the width and uh, Mainz found it hard to press against five players who could all play the ball each other and then Kimmich and Gretzka. So there's a lot of people to press. But um, going forward, I mean, Sané and Coman had looked really good, both of them against Manchester City. Why would you want to leave them on the bench? You don't have to rotate anymore. You can now play your best 11. It, it added, I think, to Bayern's yeah, terrible day. Yeah, and, and um, as it opened uh, the door to doom, um, I think we have to talk about Jan Sommer again because the discussion about him is uh, obviously also going under his skin. Because um, I, I think it's pretty obvious that the, the equalizer for Mainz 
at least partly was his fault. Yeah, absolutely. It looked like a, a poor mistake. Um, he doesn't have the confidence at the moment. I don't think that his defenders have confidence in him. You can see that sometimes in their reluctance to play the ball back to him. Yeah, it's just another another thing that's not uh, not happening for Bayern. Uh, before we go, we should quickly mention the intrigue um, <laughs> above. Uh, the latest is that uh, there probably won't be a latest. I think Bayern have decided that the last thing they need is now even more upheaval and changing not just the jockey mid-race, but also changing the owner of the fa- of the horse <laughs> mid-race, even though Bayern technically don't have an owner. But uh, the CEO, Oliver Kahn, under huge pressure, Uh, with grumblings from Uli Hoeneß, who is still a powerful person behind the scenes, um, behind the curtain, pulling strings. I think that um, this is coming to a very unhappy uh, resolution, but probably not before the end of the season or the end of May at the earliest. Uh, Until that time, uh, you will have that strange scenario where there's a CEO who no longer really seems to have full confidence by the people in the advisory board being in charge. So again, would it make a difference for the team? Probably no, but is it ideal when you need to mobilize all energy and try to create a bit of positive momentum? Certainly not. So yeah, it looks as if Bayern are really giving Dortmund every opportunity this season to finish their own consecutive uh, series of wins. Maybe they can do it. Uh, to find out, uh, please come back to us next Monday where we'll have the roundup of Match Day 30 and all the comings and goings in what is, I'm sure, another really exciting Bundesliga Match Day top and bottom. And before we go... I tell a, a funny story from the third level of German football, from the Dritte Liga. And uh, there was a, a match between Zwickau and Red, White, Rot, Weiss, Essen was abandoned at halftime because um, <laughs> there, was a, uh, there was beer poured into the face of the referee. And um, when he went from, from the pitch to the dressing room, and you, and you might wonder, how can that happen? Who gets so close? So it was one of the sponsors of, of Zwickau who did it. So uh, uh, the, the hooligan sponsor of Zwickau uh, put this uh, beer in the face and the referee called it a day and uh, the match was abandoned. Oh, very nice, very nice. I think I worked out a way to uh, to make your Leverkusen ditty rhyme. Uh, let's see if I can, ah, okay. I can say that uh, if there's someone you can't stand, send him to Leverkusen. So, hold on. Uh, <laughs> if there's someone you can't stand, send him to Leverkusen. He'll be so far away at world's end. Very nice. So, uh, Thank you very much. Have fun with your trip to um, uh, Leverkusen. Is, is, is the first leg in Leverkusen? In or Rome. In Rome. Uh, so, in the Eternal City. Yeah, there is another eternity in Leverkusen. <laughs>
But uh, that's enough on our little Leverkusen section. Uh, all that's left for me to say is to please keep supporting us. If you're not already a member of the Bee and Honey Supporters Club, please become one. Please help us keep this lovely little pot on the road. Uh, if you want to help us even more and get a lovely exclusive Bee and Honey mug as a token of our appreciation, then become an ultra and take out a season ticket. And that uh, lovely exclusive coffee cup will be on its way to you, courtesy of Christoph Biermann and some lovely people at the German post office. <laughs> we'll speak to you soon. All that's left for us to say is I was Raphael Honigstein. I was Christoph Biermann and we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.